If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the chiclet that made us who we are. My name is Karen O'Donoghue and I'm a writer and a Greek shipping heiress who everyone hates. Joining me is the Las Vegas hotel magnate, Jessie Burton. Hello there. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, hi there. <laughs> How you doing? Hi. <laughs> I'm very well because I've just read Lucky by Jackie Collins for the mm. first time because you told me to. I did. I told you to do it. Why did you tell me to do that? Well, <laughs> I told you to do it because I wanted to share the joy of Jackie. I wanted to see what you thought. And I have so many thoughts to share. <laughs> There's a lot of thoughts in that book. There's a lot of thoughts in that book. And what's so... I think, for me, this kind of exists a bit like... Um, in the same way that Christmas music exists. Yeah. Where it's like... When you go into a room where Christmas music is playing... Particularly if it's not one of, like, you know... Fairy Tale of New York or Slade or whatever. It's just, like, missed Christmas music. Yeah. You're just absorbing the atmosphere. Mm. They're saying some combination of Christmas and Bell and Christ... <laughs> But you're not really focusing on the words, you're just absorbing the energy yeah. of Christmas. And when I read this book, I don't feel like I took in any specific sentences, paragraphs or chapters. <laughs> I feel like I took in the ambiance and the fragrance and the mood that yeah. was Jackie Collins. And this is my first Jackie Collins book, so yeah. it was like a new destination for me. And yeah. I loved it. I'm so glad. You're so right, though, because it is like that, isn't it? It's like, when I think of Jackie, I just think Hollywood, California, yeah. palm trees, sports cars... Leather Big jewels, leather. Yeah, a lot of sex, a lot of drinking, and then but people just doing half an hour exercise every morning. I don't know if you noticed that, but a lot of the characters did half oh, an yeah. hour exercise, and they they all look banging, but they don't actually do that much working out. Yeah, and they do like faint aerobics every now yeah, and then. Yeah, and you just know yeah. it'll be in like leotards with sort of sweatbands around their heads. <laughs> um, when yeah. did you get into Jackie? Um, I actually can't really remember. It's always been Jackie. It's always, she's always been there, the wallpaper of your life. Actually, I think, now I think about it, I think there are a couple of them on my mum's shelf. And they always yeah. had, like, bumpy covers. So, you know, even as a little kid, like, running my fingers over the, the texture of the book. Couldn't read them, thank God. Oh, yes, I know what you mean. The sort of, like, embossed yeah, cover where it's yeah. slightly raised. Or there might be, like, a cutout. Yeah. Or it might be, like, a heart shape in the behind yeah. it. It's a picture of a woman with long hair. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think the colours, they were always like bright pink or sort of shimmery. Um, But I think actually, the when I got more, I suppose, aware of Jackie as a writer was when I got published. Really? Yeah, because I feel like, I don't even know how, it's probably like a process of osmosis or some kind of form of awareness that she was so successful. Like, we're talking... 400 million copies sold, yeah. like 50 New York Times bestsellers. But she's never written a book that wasn't in the New York Times yeah. bestseller book after writing 50 books. Yeah, so. I know. It's kind of, it is amazing. But I think I was just really drawn to the performance of her as a writer and as a woman. So the clothes, the hair, yeah. the jewels, the unapologetic 
reveling in her femininity, in her wealth, in her glamour, in her power, in her sexuality and her appetites. And I guess the way she sort of like used that to sell her books as well. That really appealed to me because it was a woman who wrote books who was also really into like the finer things in life or the fun things in life. And I, I think that's actually quite hard for a woman writer to achieve. And I know I she agree. did it extremely. Yeah. And I also believe that it was a performance. Like, I don't think she was as extreme. And I almost find this the most fascinating thing about her, particularly with today. And like, you've, you know, and I think it's really interesting because you're someone who um, started publishing five, six years ago. Yeah. And yeah, you right. landed this massive blockbuster. The Miniaturist mm-hmm. was this huge thing for you. Must have changed your life hugely. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in a beautiful home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure as a result of it. Um, and... There's this conversation that's been happening since you've been publishing and since I've been publishing that is completely worthy and that I have quoted, which is the conversation of um, why are you always associating women's fiction with their real lives? And why can't you, why are you always sort of insisting that we can't make anything up, insisting that we ourselves are a reflection of our fiction when you give men this... Um, you give them the credibility of being able to just invent things. Mm. And that's a conversation that's been going on for a long time. And I feel like I've been so almost brainwashed by that conversation that I've forgotten the advantages of being Jackie Collins <laughs> and just being like, yeah, these are episodes from the life I lead in Hollywood. <laughs> yes. I have changed their names, but most of this stuff yeah. has happened. And if I haven't put it in, it's because it's too unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. She would say that, you know, actually you think that this stuff is wild. The stuff that I know that goes on is much yeah. wilder. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Like, she did, she was quite unapologetic about that. She would say, you know, right, I write what I know. And when you read her books, you know she knows this stuff. Like, she yeah. was the daughter of a theatrical agent. She, with her sister Joan, was in Hollywood by the time she was 16. Yeah. As a, as, and, you know, you read some of the stuff and it is hugely problematic it's often older men with younger girls and all of that much stuff. older men yeah and she herself like her i think second husband was 25 years older than her really mm. maybe her first she had three. Oh no oh. sorry she had two. Oh, actually i can't remember but there's she had two yeah because it was on her wikipedia page or yeah <laughs> and um it's interesting because the older men younger women thing it isn't just because these books they have and all of them and we are going to talk more about Lucky, but I think we can sort of talk about her as an oeuvre. Really, yeah, well, it's like well. she's a... Yeah, it's, it's Jackie Collins as a kind of yeah. spirit of Jackie. Yeah, and Lucky Santangelo was very much her flagship character yeah. as well. And, like, it's the, the older men thing. There's this really strange metric going on where, like, a 40-year-old woman is supposed to be with a 70-year-old man. <laughs> and that's, like, it's like this totally conversion metric. Yeah, 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 exactly. And... And also I noticed though in Lucky, and I wonder if it's like the case in lots of the books, um, there's men with lots of different appetites. So one guy who really can't be doing with younger women and wants women his age yeah. Or, or yeah, maybe a bit younger, or the, the, the man who really likes younger girls, or the woman who wants younger men, or the woman mm. who wants... Like, I feel like when Jackie was writing it, she was thinking, I'm just going to write everyone's predilections. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of swinging. There's a lot of bisexuality. And there's a lot of... There is. There are quite a lot of gay characters as well. There's a lot of um, uh, opportunistic bisexuality. Ah, yes. The opportunistic bisexual. Yes. I They're love always, those like, characters. Using... I know. He swang both ways. He couldn't... What was his thing? He couldn't resist a big pair of tits or something. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's, um, that's Tim Wealth. Oh, Tim Wealth. 
I mean, that is a name, you know. Yeah, the naming it, conventions of Jackie is. But well. like, like Martin Amos would call a character Tim Wells, and everyone would be like, "Oh my god, so clever, so clever." Oh. But like Jackie does it, and it's like lols. But yeah. it's hilarious. That, that's another thing about Jackie as well, where I feel like um, people don't give her the credit of her own self awareness. No, I agree. Where, uh, like, she described herself as being someone who was doing satire. Yeah. And I think everyone thought she was taking herself seriously and that we were supposed to take these books seriously. Yeah, yeah. When they were always meant to be for fun. She wrote yeah. them in the spirit of fun. Yeah. And then I think it gives people... I think this happens a lot with women artists. And ha- you see it a lot happening with people like um, like Lena Dunham and Girls, for example. Mm. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Yeah. But people liked to pretend that Lena Dunham didn't know she was writing about privileged, naive obsessive self-obsessed like characters yeah and yeah. that she they had to pretend that she didn't know she was doing a satire so they could hate her for this kind of yeah self-obsession and that goes back to what you were saying earlier this kind of um assumption that women you know only write what they know there's no layer of self-awareness on top or yeah. there's no layer of examination or critique yeah or just self-parody even, yeah you know yeah oh so much to say we've already just <laughs> skittered across so many themes so many <laughs> juicy themes I have tried to write a plot summary of the book Lucky <laughs> um, good luck and uh, here is what I came up with okay feel free to edit thing in as you wish uh, Lucky is the second book in the Santangelo series and focuses on the lives and loves of Lucky Santangelo the panther-like daughter of the ex-mobster Gino Santangelo the 700-page book begins with a murder trial where Lucky is on the stand, but who in the huge cast of characters we're about to meet did Lucky murder? We meet Susan, the icy society gold digger who manipulates Gino into marriage, Olympia Stanislapoulos, my favourite, <laughs> the, the heiress with a coke problem, Lenny Golden, the comedian who lusts after Lucky, Eden Antonio, the imprisoned ex-girlfriend of Lenny, and Santino, the gangster that imprisons her. Over five years and countless love affairs, we follow Lucky and the international jet set through births, deaths, and marriage. Lovely. Marriages. Marriages. <laughs> Multi-marriages. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's bang on. It's, um, I don't even know where I would start I know. that. I know. Well, because it felt to me as well like there's three beginnings. It's suddenly like the, the murder trial. Then we cut back to like 1978 and then suddenly yeah. we're in like... 1983 but then it kind yeah. it does sort of calm down a bit but it does who's your favorite i'm gonna start with the real like questions i would ask if i was 11 because okay. that's how this book yeah no, feel. totally who is my favorite um i mean i didn't like olympia i found her like too much to deal with mm. um that's not the question you asked me. Mm. <laughs> Here's why I like Olympia. <laughs> um, I I mean, maybe I'm just like a sucker, but I, I think Lucky is my favourite too. Yeah, like, yeah. I love Lucky. I wish I could look like Lucky. She's you kind of... a bit of Lucky about you. Well, I don't think so. I mean... Your dark hair and dark <laughs> eyes and... I think when every time she describes her like long, kind of dark gypsy curls with her long brown legs and... You just know she just looks like a knockout in a one piece, like yeah. by the pool, and she has a really strong front crawl. <laughs> like I definitely don't have one of those. But she, she's really into how well Lucky can swim. Yes, but I think that's again. It's like when Jane Austen's always getting Lizzie Bennet doing walking. I think Jackie Collins has yeah. Lucky striding along the carpets of her casino. That's true. Very like physical yeah like women who very much exist in their bodies. Yeah. Well, the first sex scene you see in this. Yeah for Lucky is a guy going down on her and her coming. Like, that's the first, that's the first scene oh, we see yeah. of any sex. 
which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. Mm. Um, and she, I think back in the day, like when, when, when Jackie, I love how I, I call her Jackie like I knew her you very well. Jackie. Well, you're literally wearing one of her rings I on am. your finger. I wore it for the podcast, especially. Which you got in an auction. I did. In LA. Can you explain the ring to the listeners? Yeah, I got it. It's a citrine with black diamonds and it's Jackie, uh, after Jackie died, um, her family sold off some of the estate at, at Bonham's. I think it was Bonham's. I might get that wrong, but in, in LA. And, um... I remember just seeing it in the newspaper and thinking, oh, I'll have a look. And uh, this ring was just, I was like, I've got to have it. And it was just one of those things. I'd never been in LA in my life, never been to LA. And the the auction was that weekend. I was there for a historical fiction conference. I think if I was in a Jaguar, I'd be like, (laughs) I'd be the square nerd with the flat shoes. You know, the editor in the book who like wears sensible shoes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and... uh, I I won it, but I had to be in San Francisco for part of this conference. And my friend Alice went and picked it up for me just before the auction house shut on the Friday night. And I was flying back that weekend. And I, I rather than pay the import taxes, I just wore it on my hand through <sighs> security. I didn't go off. I didn't like beep off. But then I just thought it was so funny. Like I sat in economy, like LA to London, and just know this ring has never seen an economy seat no. in its life. <laughs> so <laughs> frightened. I know. I kept it. I kept it comforted. Oh. But yeah, if that okay, that was a lovely story. But here's how it would appear in Jackie Collins book. <laughs> Tell me. A ring, the color of a tiger's eye, flashed <laughs> on her elegant finger. In many ways, it was reflective of the woman herself. Fierce, determined. Perfect. That's, yeah. You've read Jackie Collins recently, I can tell. The thing about reading Jackie Collins and it being, as I said at the top of the podcast, like the sort of of wave and a mood that comes over you rather than an individual narrative that you're enjoying. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Is this thing of like, I was reading it, I started reading it on on Monday now, on Friday afternoon and went out on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So I was about two thirds of the way through at that point. And then I literally, I felt myself walking through Soho <laughs> in high heels suede boots, which I kind of never really wear because they're uncomfortable and I got them on eBay and they don't really fit properly. Yeah. And like wearing a really small dress, <laughs> smoking, even though I only smoke, smoke socially, but I was just smoking through Soho, walking alone, <laughs> really like stamping and doing into it. And it was definitely like the Lucky Sant'Angelo effect, yeah. which I think is real. I agree. And it's something that, like, Jackie had talked about. Like, she loved to give interviews. She gave great interviews. Mm -hmm. And she definitely had, in preparation for this podcast, I've listened to quite a few of them, and she definitely had her things that she would revisit a lot. Right. Um, Which I think we all do if Mm. if we've been interviewed a lot. Um, But she always says about, I always hear from women who are having terrible times in life and who are like, oh, my boyfriend dumped me or he cheated on me. And I was thinking about you know, crying on the floor, but I just said, lucky Sant'Angelo wouldn't put up with this, and I left, and I think that's a really real thing. I think she really is the sort of female James Bond, in a sense, the sort of invulnerable, or not even invulnerable, just like her ability to recover quickly from things, yeah. I think. No, I agree, and I think that that is something that is not to be underestimated. I think it's real. I think that was why she was so popular, Yeah, and has endured, like they're turning... Uh, I know Penelope Skinner, the playwright, is writing an adaptation of a TV series about Joan and Jackie's lives growing up. Really? You know, yeah. And 
um, there was another movie, Moira Buffini, the screenwriter, is, is writing um, movies based on the Jackie novels. Mm. So there is definitely you striding through Soho in yeah. lockdown 2020. I mean, the fact that there's a spirit there of kind of never giving up, never letting the kind of opinions or actions of a man particularly to um, permanently affect mm. your life. That is an enduring thread through the book. And I think in some ways there is an old-fashioned kind of feminism there, even though I don't think she would ever call herself a feminist particularly, of kind of adopting masculine yeah. mores and yeah. behaviours. Like, you know, there's lines in the book, you know, if men enjoy sex as much, why can't a woman? And I think that was definitely one of her party lines or her intentions in, in showing, you know, feminine female appetite. Yeah. And I guess when you think when these books were written, there wasn't that much of that around nowadays we maybe don't even think twice about it but in the yeah. time like the late 70s well actually no she was writing from the 60s yeah um you know there, there is a there is a power in that um and like you say it's a kind of atmosphere it's an atmosphere of freedom of being able mm. to be who you are or to express who you are and that's going to be okay yeah and I feel like I think what you said just now about sort of an old school feminism thing I do think that's very real and I think about this a lot because um uh, I went through a summer of kind of reading Erica Zhang and sort of mm. a lot of those sort of 70s feminists or whatever, who, and I was reading it alongside this sort of movement of like um, uh, these books coming out, like rebel stories for girls oh, yeah. and basically Wikipedia pages illustrated for children <laughs> yeah. of like women were supposed to um, find yeah. inspiring. And most of them have been dead for 150 years. <laughs> um, or they're just like whiter than white kind mm. of, you know. Um, and what is missing is this sort of middle ground of your German careers, your Erica Jongs of like still living quite problematic women mm. who ne- who nonetheless made enormous strides mm. in their art and in their personal lives mm. of how women should live their lives. And I think there was a difference where I think women of that generation, it was about a kind of a streetwise feminism. Mm. It was about like, well, bad shit's going to happen, sister, and you mm. might as well just learn how to like harden up and get with the program and you know it didn't believe in change but it believed in equilibrium yeah or it, yeah now i think it's quite different i suppose it believed in if you can't beat them join them yeah slightly well i don't know if that's actually gone that far like sometimes i do sort of think there's still like women who you know think well if you're only going to value me for my body or like how i look i'm going to monetize that and exploit that and that is like packaged as yeah. A kind of, of evolution of feminism. I don't know where I exactly stand on that. I don't disagree with it or agree with it particularly. Yeah. I understand it. I don't think as one person you can necessarily break an entire system. Mm. Um, and I don't quite know what Jackie was doing. I don't know whether she was embodying a kind of very patriarchal um, set of behaviours. I don't think she was. I think she was doing it from a, a, a woman's point of view. Mm. Um but, you know, there was a work ethic there. There was, um, a, you know, an absolute desire to do her own thing. Yeah. And her daughter was interviewed. And she said, you know, my mum would... There was Jackie the novelist and then Jackie the mum. Mm. And the novelist would, you know, work really hard, kind of writing her pages at the kitchen counter on the school run. Mm. And then the shoulder pads would come out and the big hair and that yeah. would be the public Jackie. Um, and she actually had a, a character. You know? I think so. I think she knew people loved it. 
Maybe it was a protective mechanism as well. Yeah, I agree. But she was also an actress before she was a novelist, so she also knew about, you know, performance, and like you say, like, her interviews were really good. She Mm. knew how to do all of that stuff. Um, But it's... It's hard to know exactly. Yeah. But I do think... I, I wonder, like, is she a product of her time? What would happen now if, like, Jackie Collins submitted a novel? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think she could still be writing now, and I think because women of our generation just don't read these books no. anymore, um, that they would keep on being received within the bubble of the women who grew up with them sort of thing. Mm. And I don't think... I think once a... When a literary, when an author has becomes a kind of a brand mm. that lasts for a long time, like your Lee Childs or whatever, mm. it's kind of they have their bubble of people and they will follow them to the end of the earth. Yeah, and they so kind loyal. of don't need to care what you and me and people on Twitter think, which must oh, be really the, liberating. The dream. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, the dream, the dream, the dream. No. Yeah, and I think yeah, you're right. There is, and I think yeah, she was she had such loyal loyal fans. Yeah, as evidenced by. The amount of books that she sold. But she was very uh, communicative with them. She was very open. She was knowing. She was warm and welcoming. It's yeah. quite rare to get such a powerhouse. Like, I feel like Lucky Santangelo is her, kind of her alter ego as well. Totally. Like, her dream self just amped up the volume a bit on it, you yeah. know. And Lucky and Jackie, you kind of think they are tough. Don't bullshit with them. But they will be there for you and, you know, they will respect you if you respect them. Yeah. And I think Jackie somehow managed to cultivate that, probably because it was partly true. And I think as well that, that she when she she created this character in Lucky, and she, this is the second book in the series, but I don't think you need to read Chances. No. I, certainly, I certainly didn't and didn't feel like I was missing anything. Um, Chances, which is the first book, which is where we meet Lucky for the first time. To have this character that is like James Bond in that she's endlessly wealthy, endlessly stylish, can have any man she wants, can do anything she wants. There's no society she can't walk into or out of. No, exactly. She's not trapped by anyone or anything, even when she gets married and refuses to be trapped. But she's also, unlike Bond, she is aging with her own demographic. Yeah. So yeah. she get like we get, women get to see how she's coping with the same things. That they're coping with through this mad diamond encrusted <laughs> telescope. Yeah, it's very turbocharged. Like yeah. yeah, when she has a baby, she has it with the sixty. She's like twenty eight, and she has it with the sixty four year old father yeah. of her best friend from her Swiss boarding school, <laughs> who happens to be the richest Greek magnate, shipping yeah. magnate in the world. Lucky, comes home from Atlantic City because she wants to build a hotel in Atlantic City. It's yeah. her dream. That she keeps up for the um, most of the novel, but she gets bored with it very quickly. <laughs> once she can, once she does it at around page five hundred, um, and her beloved father Gino has shacked up with some like Grace Kelly wannabe. Yes, Susan. Susan, who's who? the widow of Tiny Mantino. Tiny Mantino. Is it Mantino or Martino? Doesn't matter Tiny, really. Does it? Doesn't matter. It's Tiny the... Mantino. <laughs> Who's a who's a now dead but very famous movie actor? Yes, who I think must have been Dean Martin. Yes, because yes. I know that Jacqueline Suzanne wrote a character based on Dean Martin and gave him a child sized penis. Oh really? So I think that there was a rumor about him having a small dick, and I think that's why she called him Tiny Martino. There you go. That's my theory. 
Yeah. No, you see, that's it. Like, I think some of it is very thinly veiled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so her, but like, Lucky is, Lucky is like this, this is a hero to women, but she's not mentally healthy. <laughs> no. By <laughs> standard. No, she does some fucked up shit. So her response to her, her beloved father shacking up with this sort of random woman who like, yes, is like a gold digger and is using him for his money. But like, she's not the... Like, Susan's worst quality is that she's dull, not that she's a gold digger. <laughs> no one really cares about the money. It's yeah, but then she's boring. She's, she's a secret lesbian. And she's a secret lesbian. Yeah. 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 Well, because Susan was, as we find out in the ever corkscrew plot, <laughs> she was married off age sort of, well, oh as God. soon as it was legal, but she was basically pimped off by her own mother to Hollywood producers and stuff from the age of about 14. In a Jackie Hans book, there is no such thing as a little trauma. No. And there's no such thing <laughs> as the age of consent either. No, no, absolutely not. There's like, you have to, like, someone can't be like, and in your, in your foreword to this book, which you wrote, which is brilliant, and I really hate forewords generally, <laughs> I love to skip them, but um, it's something about like how you quoted Jackie and Jackie was saying, oh, when I was, um, when I was writing, it was all about women having mental breakdowns over men in the Cotswolds. Yeah, yeah, I love that quote. It's so funny. It's so on the money as well about that particular kind of English novel that, you know, is yeah. brilliant and beautifully written, but it is so true. I felt like when I read that line, I just felt this like, felt how you must have felt when you first met Jackie <laughs> through her books, which is like, oh, she gets it. Yeah. Because I hate those novels. <laughs> I hate mopey novels. I can't be having them at all. Like the vast amount of literary recommendations I have not listened to. Because, oh, really? Because like there's a few... Do you know how there's like um, pull quotes on the cover of a book that would make you just be like, not for me. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And one of them is like um, subtle. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, tender. Um, what are the words I don't respond to? Like heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, Vital. Vital. Although those books I would never describe particularly as vital. Like you say, they're more like reflective, quiet, subtle. Yeah. And the, the heroines always have like knitted jumpers. Yes. Very, and like I think, I feel like who she was talking about was like your Anita Bruckner's totally. Hotel de Lac and yeah. that stuff. Which, yeah, I mean, I know we're going off piece now, but I'm just finishing Look at Me by Anita Bruckner and I actually had to stop reading it because it was so depressing. So damning. I mean, it's it's so well done, but like I was just like, well, you know, Lucky Sant'Angelo wouldn't put yeah. up with this shit. Ex- exactly. She'd be out of there. It's all these women who are just like, these very, and I think it's coming back in a big way, this very thin women in mm. a prison of their own emotions. <laughs> with a bob haircut. Yeah. yeah. And just like, you know, just that drowning in an ocean of melancholy while someone wordlessly comes in them. Yeah. You know? Oh, God. Yeah. It's and then they go away to a cottage bleak. for the weekend to the sea. Yeah. And, it's, and yeah. And oh there's always, God. like, the guy's always got two or three women on the go. But actually, in, in the in the Lucky books, the guys and girls always have, like, <laughs> two or yeah. three on the go. And, and it doesn't negate their love for each other at all. No. Love is very separate to sex, I think, and she... Well, yeah. occasionally it's combined, and then that's when it really explodes, but... Oh, yeah. When when love and sex hits that Venn diagram mm. together, mm. the shady part is the worst thing that's ever going to happen. Because as soon as people meet and fall in love and have good sex... Yeah. Someone's going to die. Someone has to die in a plane crash. Yeah. Someone has, has to... to gun down the yeah, street. Yeah, gun down. Yeah. 
hit by a car, like anything, yeah. Yeah. But then I suppose that's it, isn't it? It's like, because then that's just contentment and then they wouldn't be yeah, you know, hungry yeah. for more. Yeah, and they have to have many resentments and, you know, revenge to seek mm. as well, so... Yeah, because I just realised in, I think, all the Sant'Angelo novels, or the, all the lucky novels, it's the Bonatti family are yeah. the, the arch-rivals, and there's just beef between them and their husbands from day one. Yeah. Um... Like Lucky shoots, Lucky shoots her arch rival's father in the balls, <laughs> in the ball. and then claims um, it was a rape. Yeah. Hashtag oh. believe women. Yeah. God, don't. So, yeah. You know, it is. Yeah. It is quite extreme. And I, I, extreme. on the reread, I was really surprised at how extreme it was, and and like, yeah, there's a lot of graphic. It's graphic funny. Graphic. I I had a lot of feelings. On, I've totally gone off the current plot, but this is another plot strand that I'm picking up. We'll get back to Susan in a bit. Um, but I... Like, like you do with any outdated novel. Yeah. Where it's like, ooh. Ooh, <laughs> you wouldn't use that word now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a spicy pepper. <laughs> some of them I didn't even know what they were. Like, I've never heard of that word. I'm not going to repeat it. Oh, yeah. No, there were some, some racial slurs. Racial slurs. I was like, never heard I never heard. I was tempted to Google, but I was like, I don't want to ruin the <laughs> no, algorithm. No, do you know what I mean? Your search history. Yeah. Can't be having that. No. Um, but, so there's, yeah, the scene where, so she, she shoots her arch rival in revenge for him gunning down her, both her brother and her boyfriend. And, um, and her mother. And her mother. Her mother's shot in the swimming pool. They find her face down in the pool. Yes. Yes, and she's fine. Maria, the saint. The yeah. saint, yeah. yeah. Oh, Maria. So, and, and, yeah, Lucky and her father have never spoken about that time. Yeah. And so she, she, she shoots him three times in the head, chest, and balls. Yeah. And uh, then she claims that he was trying to rape her. Yeah. And then she gets off on that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, like, that plotline would absolutely... As you say in your intro would never pass muster no. today because the idea of a woman sort of falsely accusing somebody of a rape to get off a crime is so um verboten now i think yeah. particularly among women because we we know how often that is used against women exactly. as an idea and it's yeah. so dangerous but in the context of this book it's more like well, this is one of the resources she has. So why yeah. wouldn't she use it? Why wouldn't she pull this card? Well, exactly. It's very like Old Testament justice. Yes. This guy that she shoots dead is a completely evil bastard. Yeah. And he needs to be gotten rid of. Yeah. And you, you couldn't sit Lucky Santana down and explain to her that when you falsely claim rape, <laughs> you're actually negating the charges. Yeah. Legitimate charges. Yeah. She wouldn't get that. No, she wouldn't understand. She doesn't have time for that. No, no one has any time to reflect on their trauma. No, nobody needs much sleep. No, I they if I kept up with their smoking, drinking, drugs yeah. activities, I would look about eighty five by about page four hundred. I know the thing that like um really upset me the most <laughs> was well, there's like this bit where like um Lenny and Olympia, the heiress and the comedian. They get married. Oh, God. And this whirlwind, like, Las Vegas marriage or whatever, and then she immediately, like, the day after, they've taken a massive amount of coke um, and gotten married and drink as well. And she has this sort of wedding reception, and they immediately go on to the wedding reception to this, like, international tour of, like, London and France and all this. And, like, he just never sleeps. And there's this <laughs> moment where he's like, lucky, uh, your Lenny was beat. He needed to go to bed. He needed some shut-eye. And then he heard that he was going to... Um, <laughs> 
to tramps yeah. and he perked up immediately like, yeah. there's no perking up immediately <laughs> no, you're 30 Ring- years old Lenny yeah exactly <laughs> who cares if Ringo stars there because it was says that Ringo was there and Burt Reynolds yeah oh George Best but actually Tramp was owned by Jackie's husband I know mm-hmm. she's like free there's a product placement in there love it I know yeah they don't sleep enough and also like Olympia's boyfriend so Olympia has Olympia Stanislopoulos is um, a kind of well she is a Greek a Greek shipping heiress yeah phenomenally wealthy but with a massive drug problem yeah but her her kind of Achilles heel is a rock star called Flash now I really struggled with Flash because I'm like I really struggled how is this man like she he like has rotting teeth. How many times did you write about his rotten teeth? Yeah. And every time we see him as the action progresses, like another year passes, his teeth are even more <laughs> necrotic. And he has bad skin and he smells. Yeah. And yet Olympia is just... Yeah, we'll drop everything for she him. She will. Yeah. Literally everything. Yeah. And I think, again, like, I reckon Jackie probably did see some pretty shoddy parenting in, the, in, in, in her circles. Because yes. that seems to be a huge strand in all of the books. Like, really neglectful parents. Yes. Yes, and, there, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, it's like there's Olympia. Who, and the reason she's my favourite character is just because whenever she arrives, I know some shit's going to go down. Yeah, no, I totally understand <laughs> it. I just, I was taking it, awful. I was thinking too seriously about it. I was like, no, of course. <laughs> Olympia's fucking amazing. Like, um... And uh, she's got this daughter from her first marriage, Brigitte, who's just a little bastard. And um, they are... It's very, very clear whose side Jackie is on, which yeah, is the right. side yeah, of yeah. parenting. Yeah. Which is uh, like, oh, this, this, the kid, this kid's obviously been neglected and they just like... This is a really memorable scene where Brigitte wants to go buy some ice cream and she... Her father, her grandfather, Dimitri, doesn't have any money on him. So she goes to one of his friends and he gives her $300. <laughs> yes. And it's like, this is what they, they just like, you know, push things on her in a way that feels very real. And she obviously becomes this horrible nightmare. But then Lucky, who's our heroine, who we are supposed to avow all of her choices, would leave her son alone for months. Yes, yes. And just like, oh, she looked at her beautiful son and then gave him back to the nanny. <laughs> yes. She had things to do. Yeah. She leaves him on an island with with yeah. the reclusive father of the child, Dimitri. Yeah. Yeah, and goes and has to do some hotelier business. Oh well, that hotel's not going to set up on its own for $200 million, is it? Yeah. Well, then she's got Matt Trainer, her reliable, yeah. her reliable handyman. I love Matt Trainer. And I love. Oh, how, what did you think of the only thing resembling real human beings in the book? Yeah, which is Jess and Matt Trainer. Jess and Matt Trainer. I thought Lenny was quite. I yeah. I felt like Lenny Golden is the who ends up being sort of L- L- Lucky's true love interest. Like the sex mm. between them is is real and and very um, explosive and the, and, the, and probably the only hot sex in the book. Yeah, on the bo- on the oh, raft. Explain the raft. Okay, I'll explain the raft. So. <laughs> They've been, like, ignoring each other and being... Well, he, she's been quite rude to Lenny in the past. Mm-hmm. And he's just been like, who's this brat? I don't know who she is. And he does... Like, Jackie manages to suspend disbelief for about 500 pages that he never finds out that Lucky Santangelo... He just Santangelo, keeps seeing her at these yeah. Santangelo-related events. Never really putting two and two together that she owns the hotel. And then they are in the south of France, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. it's where they're all the families are meeting. And she's listening to her Sony Walkman... 
and he walks past She loves her. that Walkman. She does. Well, she loves soul. Uh, soul music. A lot of Isaac Hayes. Mm. Um, and she sort of walks past him without really looking at him. And he's like, uh, I wonder if she's seen me. I think she's seen me. And she sort of like looks back and then she just like, she gets back into that water, does some swimming. Mm-hmm. Some a good, strong, a strong front crawl. Very strong. And he's like, I can keep up with her. And then she gets onto a raft that's bobbing in the middle of the sea, obviously. And um, he gets up on the raft too. And finally, he picks up her desire by telepathy which is that she doesn't want him to speak mm. and because before he's a comedian and he's like hitting the big time with it and he's always got a mouth on him and she's just like just don't talk and uh they seem to she he he gets the message mm. that no 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 words and they sort of unpeel each other's clothes quite quickly not that they're wearing many and uh she just loses her mind on the raft yeah um, in front of Sandra Pay. Yeah, and this old man just swims past. <laughs> she, and he's like, she. The thing is with all the books as well is that Jackie doesn't have any compunction with just going straight into the POV of whatever character suits her. So ev- she's in the oh, interior yeah. world. Head hopping all over the place. So much head hopping. And this old guy sees them having sex on the raft and just swims away, hoping that his disapproving wife hasn't noticed. I'm like, why that detail? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I, Lenny, I Lenny, I've got a scene. It was a good scene. We need to park on that scene for a moment because you described it like it's funny, and it is, but it's also hot. It is hot. Sorry, <laughs> it is hot. I've had a gin and tonic, and now I'm now I'm being frivolous about serious sex scenes. <laughs> serious, serious sex scenes. Um, no, because my so I just think sex writing in general gets such a a difficult time. You know, there's the bad sex awards, which I really don't approve of as a thing, because I just think that, like, sex is a really difficult thing to write. So hard. And, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and that also, it, it needs to do so many jobs, doesn't it? It has to sort of, the emotional satisfaction of the thing, and the physical satisfaction, and, the, mm. and what it does for the plot, and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And also, on top of that, to make it genuinely titillating. Yeah. And when you have so many, so many sex scenes in this book, there mm. has to be hundreds of them. Um, and then to have one that feels genuinely rooted in real fantasy, mm. because mm. I think, and I think what that f- is like as well is that like it's a very clever thing of most women were going to be reading this on holidays. Mm. Most women know the little floating rafts that exist <laughs> about half a mile away from the shore. Most women have thought about because when you're on holidays, it's when you're the most horny anyway, because yeah. you're not thinking about the rest of your life. And um, they've like thought about being on that raft and being taken upon by a stranger. It just feels like a very, very smart way to yeah. write a fantasy scene. And yeah. last night after I finished the book, I went and I started looking at clips of the TV series, the TV miniseries adaptation of it, which um, is not good. But <laughs> you surprised me. <laughs> you shocked me. <laughs> um, and the raft scene is, you know, them climbing onto the raft or whatever, and then they just talk about their marital problems. No. And then people are just kicking off in the comments. Yeah. Oh, that's no. so interesting, though, that they kicked off. Because, yeah, yeah, you're right, she must have tapped in. She, I think she did. I think it's like, that is a scene. Even as I was reading it, I was like, I bet this was a very big sexual moment for a lot of mm. people. You're right. And I think there are a lot of sex scenes, but they are, some of them are quite troublesome sex scenes. They're not equal. Like, yeah. But this one is like she set both Lucky and Lenny up as as the kind of physical ideal 
emotional ideal like the her- hero and the heroine like Lenny's a good guy yeah. like he he really does care about people because I think underneath the kind of big shoulder pads and sequins and diamonds she does value heart and yeah. care and Lenny does have that um, he's a very easygoing kind of guy um, with regards to his mother who is extraordinary um, oh Al- great character Alice Golden yeah who is an old ex showgirl yeah. Um, who's just hopping on her son's coattails of fame. But yeah, I think that scene and, you know, that I did sort of find myself hoping that they would get together again after yeah. that. Of course. Of course, to. I was a sucker for it. Sucker for the Lenny and Lucky story. <laughs> Lenny. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com and he has he has his friend Jess who's always been there for him that was yes, a, that Jess is what we're talking about yeah that was quite a weird like the way her son just drowns and oh then everyone God. just moves on I was like oh I God. found that so funny because <laughs> <laughs> when I recommended this picture I was like and rereading it I was like God Caroline's going to think I'm completely weird so so Jess is like she's the, she's like kind of the only person who's like a, a normal yes. person in the book in <laughs> an that. actual civilian yes exactly who like <laughs> She's um the best friend, childhood best friend of Lenny. She lives in Las Vegas. She's a croupier, and um, she's like really hot and small. And <laughs> yeah, she's very diminutive. That, they go on that about that a lot. Talking about how hot and small she is. She's so tiny. She's three foot one. <laughs> Can't see her. I'm constantly talking about people. Maybe like I don't know. I'm I'm five eight. So maybe short women are constantly thinking about how tall everyone is. I'm not sure. Maybe, but it seems like Jackie's going on about how small she is. Was Jackie tall? Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Yeah. And um, so she is the only person who's like living quite a depressing life. Mm. When we so her mother is dying. She's married to the sort of deadbeat stoner. She's got a baby, and he's sort of the guy's a leech, and he's like taking all of her money. And it feels quite kitchen sink that whole bit. Yeah. And um, she she just really badly needs a friend, and she's really glad her friend Lenny is here and working at her hotel. Which he then ends up getting fired from by Lucky. Um, and then one day her baby dies. Yeah, so again, Jackie does some head hopping and goes into Wayland's mind, and Wayland's just looking for some dollar notes to yeah. score, and the baby crawls out through the patio door. Yeah, and Wayland just falls back to sleep <laughs> and walks, just crawls into the pool. Yeah. Simon the baby. Simon the baby. RIP Simon the baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but my favourite sorry my favourite thing about the baby dying <laughs> was that um, so it's like you know it's obviously 
it's Jess is upset the world blurs she has to be sort of she's um, been given a lot of sedatives sedatives exactly yeah and it, and it feels like vaguely realistic and there's sort of yeah uh, some police inquiries about foul play and neglectful parenting and all this and it yeah. feels like quite rooted in reality and then we hop back to Lucky and Matt Trainer. Who Matt Trainer is kind of a slightly older guy who is in love with Jess and has been trying to win around for ages. And now he's looking after her now that her husband's gone and her baby's dead. And he convinces Lucky to go to the funeral as a sort of a mark of respect from mm. the Saint Angelos. And it feels like very down to earth, like this whole bit. Yes. And then the next chapter we open on the funeral, and the first line of the chapter is. The baby's funeral was so depressing. <laughs> and it's in Lucky's head being like, God, she hated being at this baby's funeral. Why was she at this baby's funeral? Oh my God. Sick so of this true. baby's funeral. God, it's been going on for ages. And then there's this, it's mad because there's, I can't remember which of the many characters, but some character is behaving inappropriately at the baby's funeral. Yeah. And then Lucky is chiding them in her head for them behaving inappropriately. <laughs> and then wanders up to Lenny, whose best friend's kid has just died. Yeah. And starts being like, you again, mister. Mm. Get that <laughs> big, big member out of here. And yeah, and like, he's like eyeing her up because she's in a big leather je- je- um, coat. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like, got the hots for her too at the baby's funeral. They're all t- Everyone's so horny. I know. I mean, oh god, now you put it like I did feel quite uncomfortable with that bit, though, if I'm honest. Because sometimes it's like when you do read lots of in quotes serious novels, and you're like, it's so interesting actually talking about it because you feel like you have to have an appropriate response. So true. And I'm like, well, this is really bad. Even though I'm not particularly invested in Baby Simon or Wayland the Stoner, or I, you know. There are so many characters in this book that you're just like bumping along with. It's quite picaresque. You're just like, mm-hmm. let's keep going. And actually, that's it, isn't it? It's just, it's not a consequence free world, but it's yeah. like, it doesn't go that deep. It's really yes. not that deep, fam. Like, it's that's, not that deep. that's, that's not that's the tagline the that I would imagine Jackie's publishers would use, but perhaps <laughs> it is one that might be useful. And that's the thing, is like to, to be upset over any of the representation or the handling of themes in this book, mm. to be legitimately outraged by it would just be, reflect on your intellect so badly. <laughs> Do you know oh, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. But I did, I mean, there were times when I was like, is she going to use fat as a pejorative that one more time? I really, really didn't like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, Olympia who is, you know, a horrible person. She and, is. And, and can be a horrible person without constantly talking about her appetites and... She's described as a tiny, a, a blonde baby elephant. <laughs> like, three times. It's... And it's it, the way fatness is used in that made me so uncomfortable. Because, like, yeah, she, like... When Jackie's dealing with things like race or consent, mm. you can tell she's trying her best for the parameters of the yeah, you're right. dialogue and lexicon yeah. that Jackie has and wants to use. But when it comes to fatness, you can really tell, like, oh, this is a woman who truly does associate mm. weight with moral failing. Yeah, you're right. Because when we meet Olympia, she's like, you know, it's this curvy blonde yeah. with big tits and she's a bit conscious about her weight. And then as her moral journey falls, mm. also she gets heavier and heavier and yeah. everyone's more and more aware of it and it becomes so grotesque yeah and you're just a bit like come on i don't I need know. this i know in my spare time <laughs> <laughs> i know and also the 
the the only other thing I I think that sometimes my eyebrow did shut shut up shoot up. Should have had that gin and tonic. Um, was the kind of contingent plane crash or plastic surgery that kind of? I mean, maybe yeah. it's a bit days of our lives. It is. I think it's quite soap opera. Isn't yeah. Kind convenient. Plastic surgery as a plot point. <laughs> Could anyone get away with it now? Do you think? I mean, it's literally like I had my face reconstructed, and you have you don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, Kevin Kwan did it in one of the Crazy Rich Asians books. Recent, that was very recent, where like a character wanted to get his face remodeled to look like Christian Bale, and he said the the doctor heard Christian Bell. Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you get away with it now. I mean, it's kind of it is. There's a, a plane crash that happens, and Olympia's in it, and. She has her whole face. But this is what doesn't make sense. Mm. She has her whole face miraculously reconstructed to look exactly how she did before. Yes. Whereas the other dude has his face miraculously re- so it's reconstructed. Completely different. It's a completely different person. Yeah, there's the two things. And then you're like, you can't, oh, that's so convenient. Yeah, you can't look a little like you used to, but maybe <laughs> like someone who's, you know, had some trauma. Yeah. You either look exactly the same or like a different person. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I suppose again, it's like it's just a, a freewheeling. And and you saying earlier as well that you know Jackie didn't always know where the book was going. She just sort of made yeah. it up as she went along. Yeah, so Which she... is fair enough. I mean, that's how I do it. Is that how you do it? Yeah, yeah. How's that for you? Oh, I mean, I don't always love it for me. Actually, <laughs> I'm like, what happens now? Sometimes I have a like far-sighted sort of sense of an ending or a kind of a a thing that has to happen I certainly don't know how I'm going to get there oh that's so cool I think I I would go insane yeah I I would love to be able to have the the confidence of that freewheelingness but I think if I don't know what plot point I'm about to hit then I just flounder around I'm describing sort of end tables for ages then oh (laughs) my god I'm just trying to not get to the next bit do you do, do you plot it all out then um Yes, mostly mm. for the three I've written so far, but I'm on my fourth one at the moment. It's um, that's amazing. Uh, it, I've, I've not plotted it very well, and I'm sort of talking about end tables a bit. <laughs> What's this end table? Oh, sorry, well, sorry. That's obviously you. You build a shorthand with yourself. <laughs> end tables. And where it's like you're, um, you don't really know what's going to happen yet. Next, so you're kind of biding time, but you need to put in the words every day. So you end up just describing bits and pieces in the room. So just oh. describing end tables. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, God, I think I do that all the time. I mean, that's why I basically have written three novels just full of, like, artefacts. Oh, my God. I describe yeah, the... ornaments. I literally wrote a scene this morning where um, the character goes into this room and I spent quite a lot of time, like, describing all the tables. And pieces. <laughs> but that's fine because, like, as I'm doing that, the character kind of generates in my mind and and then something comes i i think i think obviously different horses different courses exactly but because you're such a and i know this now because i've been in your house for two hours um (laughs) you're a very sensorial person yeah i do like bits and bobs there's so many bits and bobs there's so many soft furnishings and nice smells Mm. going on and i feel like you're just a very a woman of great tastes (laughs) my biggest insecurity about myself yeah i only tell this to good friends Is that I have no taste? Oh no! I have no taste! I could literally just be sitting in an empty room with the shit in it. <laughs> and you wouldn't care. I wouldn't, I wouldn't notice. I'm so blank. I just don't notice 
things or stuff. So do you do you ever like? I'm so it, conscious whenever I have like a stylish friend coming over that my house yeah. is shite. I bet it isn't. Do you just like not in your life? You just not cared too much about design and colour. <laughs> she says, <laughs> horrified. She says, in her aubergine room, yeah, with like beautifully <laughs> mustard, lovely, everything picked out. I think I just have no faith in my own taste. Mm. And because I'm very lucky because my boyfriend is went to art college and he's a graphic designer. Oh God, okay. And so he's really taken over that mantle for me. Okay. And, and you think, like what he has and he does, so it's like yes. it works. Well, yes. You know, it it's works kind of for like, us. It works for us too. Like I literally come home and I say, well, this is what's happening now in this room. And he's like, mm-hmm, great. Yeah. Yeah. I basically good. lucky Santangelo, <laughs> my own boyfriend. <laughs> Speaking of interiors, we should talk about interiors. Oh yes. I love the interiors as the reflection of the self. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of... What is it? Like, she does actually do it a lot. She loves describing what the... I know this this is clothes, but, like, what they're wearing and then, Mm. like, what the rooms look like. Yeah. Marble, a lot of marble. I mean, I know I would hate these rooms. Hugely. Oh, yeah. I can't think of one room in that thing I like. Um, Marble. Lots of marble. And there's a, a nice thing as well going on with them rooms as being relics of past lovers kind of oh, thing yeah. where it's like uh dimitri's got this apartment in new york oh the new york apartment yeah and dimitri's whole deal is that he's been in love with um francesca fern francesca fern i'd love to know who that's based it's got to be somebody with an alliterative name yeah. it has to be I'm, and i tried to think who could it be as a, a, a british stage actress yeah who's constantly being honoured all the time with red hair with a famous lover. <sighs> answers on a post Yeah, it. please send in answers. Would have been sort of 40-ish in 1980. Mm. So. I did try and think, but... What if it was like Judy Dench? <laughs> Judy Gench. <laughs> <laughs> Judy Gents, Dench is lesser known. Oh, that would be so good. I don't... I, I don't think... I think... It wouldn't be. Yeah, but so so he's anyway, he's, um, he's she's a nightmare, but he's in love with her. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and he has this affair with Lucky, where they have a child, and they sort of decide to get married because they want the child to be legitimate, and it's very businesslike. Um, and then she sort of like spends all his time, all her time in his, you know, his yachts, his mm-hmm. flats, his properties, and they've all been designed by Francesca Fern, and they're all just old and shit. Yeah, and, heavy, and heavy furniture. Heavy, exactly. I just think that's good. Yeah. I just want to prize her, her pros where... If not her pros, her sort of mechanics. Yeah, exactly. Where, where possible. And they have the nice East Hamptons home, which she deliberately, Jackie, deliberately describes as white and light and airy. Yeah. And that's where the mother lived, and there's a sort of sense there of... You purity. Know, purity, a blank canvas. And when she goes there and hangs out with Lenny, that felt the most modern kind of house to me. Like, I could imagine it now yeah. in East Hamptons. Yeah. Like, you know, a kind of paired back simplicity compared to the kind of Rococo vibe. Yeah. And she loves describing jewels. Jewels, like the one you have on your finger? Um, <laughs> it is on my middle finger, but I'm not going <laughs> to give you the middle finger. Um, yeah, the emeralds that uh, Dimitri buys for for her for her thirtieth, and there's, you know she drops like Tiffany Van Cleef and Arpel. She doesn't like hold back on the yeah, brand. She knows her gems. You she can really knows tell. her gems. Yeah, and uh, 
the cloak Halston is a big designer that they're always wearing. Yes. Which is a big seventies like Studio Fifty Four vibe. I don't. I know so little about that era, but of course mm. you know a lot because you've written about that era. Because <laughs> I was you? alive then. I was at Studio Fifty Four. I had a lot of you work on my. An place. old old woman. I'm actually seventy. <laughs> it's just working for me. Um, yeah, I did. You know what? As well, like I think. I when you were saying at the beginning of this about you know it's like a world that she creates like an ambience that you feel you walk into you don't necessarily yeah. remember a particular paragraph to quote yeah. which sentence. is why it's been really hard to talk about this in like specific plot nuance it's more, I know we always keep going back to the vibe I know it is a vibe it's like a feeling Jackie <laughs> is a feeling and I felt I had that feeling when I I went to LA for the first time in my life um, I was completely sort of sideswiped by it. I just found it was a really strange place. Um, so different to New York, which I knew better. Mm. And I felt glad to go there with a, a couple of books under my belt. I think it must be a very hard place to go when you don't have Yeah, if, you, if you're still full of want. Yeah, which know? a lot of her characters are, like yeah. Tim Welf. Tim and Welf. Eden Antonio, mm-hmm. Lenny Golden himself. Um, you know, and... Yeah, so when I was there, I, I just I was only there for six days, but it really got under my skin, and and I think it was partly informed by my kind of impression of Jackie Collins' version yeah. of Hollywood, you know, turquoise lozenge pools and jewels and suntan skin and a sort of you know your skirt hiked up a bit and your top lowered down a bit and everything's a bit loose and everything's a bit free and easy and consequences don't exist and. I created that kind of Hollywood in my novel too because it was just too irresistible. And when yeah. I created a character like Barbara Loudon, who is a bit Jackie Collins-esque in her one-liners. And she's in the confession. Yeah, she's yeah. in the confession. It was a kind of homage to Jackie, really, because it was just like, you know, the confession is not like a, a, a Jackie Collins novel in many ways, <laughs> but also the elements of freedom or what, what she represents that we were talking about earlier, like sexual freedom and particularly for women and being able to say what you want and do what you want, which is an ideal. It's not always a reality. And I think she was selling a dream and I wanted to write a dream, I suppose. That's, that's so funny because you say that, like, obviously it's not, it's not a Jackie Collins novel, but nor is it a novel that could have existed without Jackie Collins. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think that's so... It's, it's really a big part of why I do this podcast because I think, you know, when you're as, as an author and why I interview mostly w- women authors, really, um, when you're an author, you kind of, you're asked about your influences and mm. you naturally go to maybe stuff you studied at university mm. or, you know, quite important and beautifully written books and um books that make you look clever yeah but, also, <laughs> clever, yeah, but also books that make you sort of like oh god that's the most perfectly crafted sentence i've ever mm. i've ever read and if only i could one day write a sentence as beautiful as that mm. jackie collins does not write those sentences but what she does is she does create that sort of that seed in very young women's heads that tells you that you can do something incredible and that if something bad happens you can get back up again yeah Totally, and and I just think that reading is so much a part, as equal a part of authors' journeys as oh, is the sort of important, beautifully crafted reading. You know, absolutely, exactly, because it's like a spirit of freedom, really. Yes, yes. Because I feel like, 
I I think more writers, well, they wouldn't admit it, but like they'd love a career like Jackie, so they'd love to be able to write like Jackie. Yeah. And she said, like herself, you know, people think that they can do what I do, but they can't. Yeah. It's harder than it looks, but also, you know, she she holds these crazy universes in her mind and just keeps going with them and you you know you find yourself going with them too and not all writers do that and I don't think she she never said she always said I'm not a literary writer this Mm. isn't literature but again that might have been a slightly preemptive move or like self-defensive move but I think she she wasn't too fussed with all of that and I think we do take ourselves seriously and rightly so but Sometimes we have to remember other other forms of influence as well. I've got this theory I've been working up for a little while now. Uh, it might be bullshit, but bear <laughs> with me. Um, I read a David Nichols quote somewhere where he said, all authors envy musicians. Oh. And I thought about that. I was like, I think that is true. Um, and you see that with the way some authors sort of like... Um, use music a lot in their books or they use Mm -hmm. lyrics a lot in their books and that kind of thing but I've sort of refined his theory Mm -hmm. I think that all authors aspire to either one of three either rock stars film directors or stand-up comedians that's interesting we're all very creative people that sort of wish we were outgoing enough to do (laughs) these things that's very interesting I think musicians want to summon a mood Mm. I think Actor, I think film directors want to be in control of a whole mm. sort of... I think you might be a film director. I Yeah, I do. Too. You, when you were saying this, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'd be film director. Yeah, because you're, you're like zoomed out and above this huge sort of like mm. landscape and you've got, your, you've got your miniatures and you've got your whole world <laughs> kind of thing. And then I think stand-up comedians are all about like the art of the, the line. The yeah, perfect line. the line. Yeah. So are we just writing books because we we can't do the other <laughs> We don't have the confidence <laughs> to do it. I mean, it's it's yeah. But I think Jackie was rock star. Jackie was definitely rock star. She had a tour bus. Did she have a tour? She bus? She had a tour bus oh with my like. Gosh. Yeah, because she did when she was popular in her books. She did everything. She did every talk show, every bookstore event. Yeah, she, it was it was a proper business wasn't it yeah and also like what novelist do you know that like pops up at the bottom like in a picture so yeah. I've, i'm holding the the copy of lucky and there she is with like ginormous hair ginormous earrings so much eyeliner and she's on the back of the cover of the book yeah but that was it it's like she was intrinsic to the books like this mm. is not death of the author no completely <laughs> this is the life of the author it's what you were saying earlier again about not getting tied up in not particularly as a woman. I mean, the reason why we resist that is because it's so it feels so lazy assumption about mm. us that we haven't got the imaginative power to construct worlds that are not within our own world in the yeah. first place. And it is pernicious and very common. So there is completely there is a complete point as to why you should resist that, I think. Because it is very patronizing. Mm. But I think you're right in the idea that why should we deny or apologise that we are mining our own existences as every other artist has ever done. Our existences, our experiences are just as interesting, just as valid to become universally admired art. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. And I, I also often wonder how, like, 
when you listen to interviews with female authors, I feel like a lot of them go very heavy on the research, like mm. talking about the research, mm. which is obviously totally valid because yeah. people do an enormous amount of research. But I feel like it's kind of a subtle way of being like, don't ask me if this is a memoir. Mm. Don't ask me mm. if this is like about me or about a relationship. I went to, you know, Zimbabwe for four years to, kind of yeah. thing, to research this, or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it is, I mean, I've had it myself. Like, Have you? Oh, yeah. Like, you know... I, I think not so much with the miniatures, which was like, so how was your life as a Dutch, <laughs> Dutch merchant's <laughs> wife in 1701, wherever it was, or, you know, the muse. But I think there were elements in the muse and there's certainly elements in the confession that I definitely derive from my own life or the lives of people I knew. But that's almost a given because of who I am or who any of us are. We mm. kind of take existence into ourselves and we recalibrate it. I have not like recreated a blueprint of my life. Yeah, it's that's the assumption that I think pisses people off. Mm. That you've mm-hmm. just like got no creative ability to represent it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas it's often assumed that men, when they write their lives into books, which they do every time, is somehow there's a a circuit break and it becomes detached from them mm. and not of them. And I, I, I don't know why to this day. Is it because creatively we... Is it honestly because we, we, are, we have the physiological function to give birth? I think it is. And so we have the physiological connection and we are intrinsically connected to our creations. There is no severing. I do think we are used to... This is so off base, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to go for it. Um, I think... Culturally, we're used to the idea of men not necessarily being of or with their children. Mm. That, that, like, you know, many men just have kids floating around the world mm. that they're not attached to mm. emotionally, physically, whatever. That doesn't exist for women. No. So it's like everything we produce, we, it must be extremely close to our experience and of yeah. us. Of us, yeah. Whereas men are just shooting loads out into space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bazillion little short stories going yeah. out there. Yeah. It's, it's a proper. And I think that's why, but I think that's why there has been like an aggressive intellectualism in women in the 20th century, like the blue stocking vibe or, Mm. you know, all those, you know, mopey girls staring at windows in knitted jumpers in Cotswold cottages before they go and pick up a pebble, you know, (laughs) there's a, there's, there's something more rageful underneath that, which is take me seriously. And I am more than just my body and Mm. I'm more than just, um, my feelings so when the book came out and was very successful, the first novel, The Miniaturist, there was an assumption, and I assumed it too, that I would be completely comfortable with doing public platforms and yeah. because I'd done it since I was five. Yeah. But I'd done it as, as, since the age of five under the guise of other characters and other names and other words. And so it just, it just strikes me as this strange thing that as a novelist you offer yourself in book form like a horcrux of yourself in paper which is everything you feel the world really needs to know about you but then because of the culture in which we live this kind of capitalist ecosystem you have to then be the salesperson and you do it the most effectively and it's it's a sorrow and it's one I know that so many people feel and maybe you can be a Jackie and you can like sever the mm. but I never did I was just me on stage and that was the mistake I made I didn't like develop a shoulder padded persona 
Yeah, I have, I have a, a theory about this called the mist. Oh, the mist. Tell me, can I the, mist myself? <laughs> mist. So what happens is a person gets famous mm. and a mist develops. And the mist is between either them and their audience and or them and the thing they've created that's out in the world now doing its own thing, like a book or a record or whatever. And um, the longer the person is famous, the thicker the mist becomes and they... they find it hard to relate to normal life and normal people mm, and, yeah, and people when they're trying to relate to them and like uh, and you see it and it's also like if you've ever, if, and you've probably been around famous people so because you've acted of like that thing of um, nobody ever tells them that they're wrong or boring. Oh my god, yeah, it's very weird and their behaviour is very weird as a result. Yes, their behaviour is very weird as a result. They, they've never been told their stories aren't funny. <laughs> like, and and they just they just are all, people are oh, always excited kind of like, to meet them. Yeah, and they're like oddly sort of automaton polite to you. They kind of enact politeness or interest but you know that they're not really that yeah. interested. Yeah, and with every, and with every year the mist gets thicker. Mm. But then some people... Like Jackie, mm. or like Dolly Parton, or Cher. Yes. They have like a laser pointer hologram. They shine over their shoulder through the mist, <laughs> and that's the character that they sort of project into the world. Oh my god! Meanwhile, real Jackie's with her daughter is probably yeah. having a nice time eating pizza and toast, eat, eating some pizza in front of a movie. But the the laser pointer is going through the mist. <laughs> wow! I love that theory. The mist. Yeah. And the hologram women get it right. They do. They have this like character that everyone understands everyone understands yeah and loves yeah and she I mean, can Dol- act- actually dolly is the mistress of that she's the mistress no, of the mist no one can do that better than her yeah she she shines the best holograms yeah. the mist. yeah but it's very difficult to develop that when you're starting out and you are young and naive and you don't you know you do write something that's true to you and deep to you and honest mm. you don't you don't you're not it, how do you it's <laughs> i don't I know i don't run know. Out i would love to know exactly i don't it's so yeah. and i don't think publishers know how to deal with it i don't think record companies know how to deal with it i really have a renewed respect for novelists who are still publishing 10th 11th 12th oh, novel yeah. yeah like i always did love kate atkinson Maggie O'Farrell, um, Margaret Atwood, um, and well, a few others as well. Even as a younger woman, and now as a novelist and a published person, the I'm respect just like, I have. Wow, yeah. Before I enjoyed their work, and now I respect <laughs> I their know, lives. I respect the fuck out of them. <laughs> yeah. It's extraordinary. And there's a, a novel that came out this summer that's kind of the sleeper hit they're describing. It's by Claire Chambers called Small Pleasures. Oh, I've seen it around. Yeah, I really loved it. And, and, you know, there's a woman who's 54 now. That's not even that old. But, you know, she hasn't published a book for 10 years. And it just made me realise I can chill out. It's okay. And even if, you know, when you have a success like The Miniaturist was, which was very unprecedented, really, it's quite unusual, you have to accept that things are not always going to be that level. They may not be. But if you still can publish and write and you can do the thing that's intrinsically who you are, then that's success. Or that's like feeling integrated in who you are as a whole and not letting yourself be swayed constantly by figures and other people's successes. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? That is where happiness, that illusory happiness lies and it's not our fault we're caught up with it we want to fucking be able to pay our rent and like do nice things and have people read us 
you know, and it's this constant bind that we're in. Yeah. And, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, like, completely zen about it at all. I am, and sometimes, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, maybe he loves me. I, I don't know anybody who's <laughs> zen about it. Yeah. Sarah Perry. But, I you know. so too. I think, actually, who Jackie Collins is, is she's the female John Waters. Okay. In, you know, the, you know, the, the comedian. The film, the film director. Oh, the fi- does he have a thin moustache? Yes, yes. Yeah. So he's like somebody who's instantly recognisable, mm. whose work itself, when you really look at it, is like bad taste and strange. Like he did hairspray. That's it, yeah. And um, it's quite strange. It doesn't really fit in with anybody else's sort of measure of good taste or good art. But because it is him and he is it, mm. it becomes this sort of gem that everyone just enjoys as part of this never-ending thing. I don't mm. know. I The one thing I did wonder as well about Jackie is, like, where she comes on the spectrum of camp. Like... Oh, yeah. High I camp, High I camp. So that kind of high campness is quite enduring. And it's yeah. kind of... You can't even... Like, we've sat here discussing her and trying to, like, put our finger on it. But it's almost intangible. It's just something that just yeah. is a bit timeless, a bit out of the ordinary, yeah. strange, bad taste for some, absolute bloody delight for yeah. others... And that just so like true. takes it out of it its is. kind of. I've heard um, people someone describe camp as a hat on a hat on a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, but I, I, and I, you know, when I did write the introduction to Lucky, anyone I said, regardless of their literary tastes or whatever, oh, I'm writing an introduction about a Jackie Collins novel. Their eyes just lit up. It's joy, man. It's Jackie. She, Everyone as, knows. As she said in her own tombstone, you know, she gave yeah. a lot of people a lot of pleasure. <laughs> exactly. Including us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up now. Okay. So we've been talking for fucking ages. I know. I'm, I, I don't see many people. <gasps> I know, I'm, I'm like, my friend I can talk to. <laughs> oh. um, but uh, this has been our Jackie Collins podcast. It has. Uh, you have been Jesse Burden. Tell us about The Confession, which is out now. It is. It's out now. <laughs> <laughs> and? Well, should I say what it's about? Um, or just that it's my third novel and it's set partly in Hollywood and partly in London. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, it's enough. It's about women having getting their getting their rocks off. No, it's not. <laughs> it's about women looking for what they want and sometimes getting it and sometimes not and dealing with it when they don't. There and you dealing go. Dealing with it when they do. <laughs> You're shining the laser through the mist right I now. I am. My hologram over my, my shoulder. <laughs> All right, Jessie. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Karen O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at ZaraLine, that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, or email me by the podcast at ZaraLineO'Donoghue at gmail.com. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast. Thanks to Harry Harris for the jingle, Gavin Day for the logo, and Acast for the recording space. mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma we have something to celebrate every mom in your life every mom deserves a moonpig card get 50 percent off your first card at moonpig.com moonpig.com